really baffles me because if you hit a child when they're five or eight, let's say, it's discipline. But if you hit them at 18, it's a felony. <laughs> you can go to jail. You're listening to the Mindful Mama podcast, episode number 366. Today, we're talking to Dr. Lynetta Willis about how to transform triggers. Welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast. Here, it's about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have, and when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm your host, Hunter Clark Fields. I help smart, thoughtful parents stay calm so they can have strong, connected relationships with their children. I've been practicing mindfulness for over 20 years. I'm the creator of Mindful Parenting, and I'm the author of the best-selling book, Raising Good Humans, a mindful guide to breaking the cycle of reactive parenting and raising kind, confidence. Hey there, welcome back to the Mindful Mama podcast. We're not going to keep that as a new theme song. Hey, listen, if you haven't done so yet, please hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And if you've ever gotten anything from this podcast, please, please do me a favor. Go over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and review. It just helps the podcast grow more and it just takes 10 seconds. I, I hugely, hugely appreciate it. In just a minute, I'm going to be sitting down with psychologist and family empowerment coach, Dr. Lynetta Willis. She helps frustrated families break free from stable misery and create more joy in their parenting or partnerships. We're going to talk about triggers, right? Like, so kids do and say things all the time that trigger intense feelings in us as parents. This is like reactivity, right? And then we're often yelling, shaming, or blaming. So what do we do when these intergenerational dramas, like triggers stuff from the past, when that comes on, how do we deal with this? How can we transform the triggers. So I talked to Dr. Lynetta Willis about this and more so we can move on to healing and empowerment. And I want you to listen for some important takeaways that we have triggered travelers within us. You're going to learn about what that is, how we're always using tools. And the question is whether they are helpful or not, and that we have to retrain our brain to be able to transform those triggers. And now join me at the table as I talk to Dr. Lynetta Willis. Do you want to stop yelling and have your child listen to? Well, I have exciting news for you. If you're hearing this right now, it means that the doors to mindful parenting are open at mindfulparentingcourse.com. This only happens for a limited time, and it may be perfect for you if you want to be that patient, calm parent, but you're afraid of being walked all over, you're losing it, and you want to be that steady, peaceful parent, you don't have a cohesive method, and you take in bad advice like just count to one, two, three. Mindful Parenting is an evidence-based system that not only teaches you how to calm your reactivity, but offers you a ton of personal guidance. A lot of other parenting coaches talk about the best way to respond to your child, but guess what? They don't walk you through the research-proven practices that it really takes to create changes that actually last. Mindful Parenting teaches you the specific steps to create cooperative, loving relationships for life. In Mindful Parenting, you can learn how to stay calm, even if you find yourself shouting hourly now. Be present for your child no matter what they're going through. Resolve conflicts easily without yelling or taking away the iPad. 
set limits without your child resenting you for days afterward, and build trust between you and your child so that you avoid misery in the teen years. The doors are open now at mindfulparentingcourse.com. Unlike other programs in Mindful Parenting, we offer one-on-one coaching to every member and weekly drop-in coaching sessions. Don't wait anymore. You and your kids are worth leveling up. Go to mindfulparentingcourse.com and join now before the doors close again. That's mindfulparentingcourse.com. I'll see you there. going to talk about a topic I'm passionate about, the the sort of intergenerational patterns and the dramas that start to that get passed down from generation to generation. We all think we're looking at it starting fresh and then we're like, oh man, look, I'm actually carrying a lot of baggage with me. Wow. You know, like we don't even realize it. Um, so that's where we're going. But I'm, I'm really curious, like I know I'm why I'm passionate about this. It has a lot to do with my own story and discovering my own patterns and and drama that I was didn't you know I had thought I had left behind um and uh and I'm wondering if it's the same for you yeah yeah I always say like you know our our intergenerational stuff it's less like a suitcase and more like a backpack that you just can't get off it's just like you know you think you're done and you turn around and there's nothing there and you're like all right I'm good but you don't realize no put right there on your back um but it doesn't have to stay that way so why did I start in this well you know the story i always tell is um i grew up in a home where the four horsemen mindset was used to parent children and the four horsemen are pain blame shame and avoidance and that was like i'm getting like greek mythology vibes from this four horsemen thing (laughs) yes (laughs) Exactly. And so that was what was, those were the four things that were often used to keep kids in line. And it was what was used to keep my mom in line and my mom's mom in line and, you know, Mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. And when I was in my twenties, I had an experience with my sister. So my, I have a sister. She is 20 years younger than me. 20 years younger Um, than you. Wow. That's, are you the oldest? My mom was thinking. Wow. Psychologically, I am. Because by the time she came along, I was like in literally in college. Um, And I remember she was sitting at the counter, my grandmother's kitchen counter one day. And she had, she was probably about two. She was still in her little high chair. So I don't even think she was two yet. She was, she could, she was verbal. Mm -hmm. Um, And she did or said something to me and it just made me so angry. And I turned and I looked at her and I said, don't make me come over there. I'm so angry. I could smack you right now. Mm -hmm. And I just remember her face, like just dropping like just she was like okay and I knew that unfortunately I wasn't the first one that she had heard that from I was I was told that growing up right but I remember in that moment and I didn't have kids or anything during Mm -hmm. this time looking at her and just feeling like what did I just do did I seriously just threaten the baby like what you know Mm -hmm. and there was this split second moment where I realized like that is not okay with me like I, I would never hurt her, you know, like I was the cool big sister, you know, like, no, that's not what happens. It's not my role. Um, and I'm right. She went over and I picked her up and I was like, I'm so sorry. I would never hurt you. I'm so mm-hmm. sorry. Um, 
And it was that moment was, was like one of those pivotal moments where I realized like, we got to change some stuff. Like I do not want to bring these fear-based mindsets into my relationship with my little sister or with my children or into my marriage. You know, I, I want these things to be different. So in that moment, I made a decision to shift things. I didn't know what that meant, what it would look like, how I was going to begin, what exactly I was shifting besides threatening toddlers. Mm. I wasn't going to do that again, you know, but I didn't know what all that entailed. Um, and then I also had, um, so a lot of other issues, like my, um, I was raised primarily by my grandmother, my father, and my mother divorced when I was a year old. My father left, didn't come back. Um, so, and that left my mother with a lot of stuff, you know, and so there was just a lot of different patterns that had Mm -hmm. formed, um, in the generation before me and in previous generations. And then some of those patterns also led. And so in addition to that, I also experienced my own traumas growing up, like molestation and things like that, that Mm -hmm. impacted who I was, how I viewed the world, how I viewed myself and, when I got into, um, like old enough to go into graduate school, I decided, okay, I have some stuff I got to heal. So I could either go to therapy or I could get a PhD and learn my way into healing. And that seemed like the best option to me. I kill two birds with one stone. Exactly. Another violent metaphor. Hard. Yeah, which is another violent metaphor. Oh, I just realized. Um, But yeah, yeah. I mean, that's amazing that you, that's such a cool, um, it's so, it's so cool that you were able to experience this, this language, this reaction that was in you before you had kids, right? Because if you didn't have that moment with her, you would have just kind of been like, I got my stuff together. I'm good. Blah, blah. You know what I mean? The, the thing that we all do because we're only interacting with other adults. We're not in that parent-child relationship. And this was, that was like a, a gift. Um, it really was. Yeah. It really was. And then, so long story short, I went, I learned a lot started working with parents even before I had kids, um, which I thought was very funny and they were very brave souls. Um, And uh, specialized in families and trauma healing and all of that stuff. And then I realized, spoiler alert, you can't learn your way into healing. It doesn't work that way. So I eventually went in, did my own healing process, went on my own healing journey. I'm still on it, you know? I mean, it still, it still happens. Um, but what I realized when I got into private, cause I've been in this field over 20 years now, which is hard to believe, but the more and more I talked to parents, I realized that this is common, you know, where parents have these light bulb moments where they're like, wait a minute, I need to change some stuff, but I don't know what to change or how to change it. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's all they knew is what, you know, so they would read these books and go to these courses and do all these things and realize like, I got the information, yeah. but <laughs> when the trigger hit the road. Yeah, you yeah. know, forget it. It's like it all goes out the window. So now I love, love, love helping parents who want to raise their kids differently yeah. from how they were raised. And and I'm yeah. so I'm so with you. The stack of books is very common that people come to me. They have this like stack of books. I've read all these books. You know, we we are good at learning a lot. I think that like a lot of us are kind of good at learning a lot. Um, 
but um, so, so to go back to your own story, I mean, like for me, one of the things I was raised with was, um, was my dad spanked me, you know, he had this mm -hmm. like rage and he was scary and, yeah. you know, he, he spanked me and um, that was normal, right? Like that was normal in, in the eighties and, um, and for him, you know, in our talks later, like we've, you know, we've talked about these things and he's talked about how, when he was raised, his father beat him with a strap, with a belt. Mm -hmm. um, and it left welts on his body, yeah. you know, and that was normal in the 1950s. And it's so, um, and, and so I'm wondering, like, was that also part of your story being raised with corporal punishment and that being totally normalized in, you know, in your family? I want to tell you about a great podcast that you should check out, especially if you ever deal with any school system, which you probably do. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. And this season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and busts common myths about special education. So I checked out the episode on the difference between IEPs and 504 plans because my daughter Maggie uses a 504 plan and it was really, really helpful. It went over all the differences, which one's better, how to get them, different myths and what your rights are, all kinds of different things that you should understand if your child may need extra help in education through an IEP or a 504 plan. The tone is super helpful, friendly, and smart. I highly recommend you check it out. To listen to Understood Explains, just search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's it. Understood Explains. We are supported by Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as Math Mysteries About True Histories. It's a weekly show full of time travel puzzles, hidden equations, history, and lots of laughs. I highly recommend this podcast. It is really wonderful, especially if you have kids like around like six plus, but it can totally be enjoyed by the whole family. So I listened to the episode, The Pirate Queen, and you're just dropped right in the middle of the action. People are fighting. There's sword fight. And then these kids, they've gone on a time travel mission and they have to solve problems in the midst of it. And it really just like exemplifies everything we support here at Mindful Parenting. You know, kids who are adventurous, doing things on the world, they're capable. And then they do things like they have to do math, they have to think critically, they have to code break and pattern solving and all this great stuff. Beyond just the Pirate Queen episode, which I highly recommend, episodes transport listeners to moments in history, too, like Pythagoras, Ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, or Isaac Newton's England, and more. So jump in with your family, follow the adventures of Max and Molly on an adventure through time with puzzles and hidden equations and laughs, and it really does make learning really fun and really cool. Perfect for ages six and up. New episodes drop every Thursday, each stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids, and you can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. That's Mysteries About True Histories. Oh my God.
gosh, yes. I mean, it was that's that's the plain that's the pain horseman. Um, one hundred percent belt shoes. Um, switches, which some people don't know what those are, but those are literally like branches off trees. Um, you know, all kinds of things where it's just like, and sometimes you had to go and you had to pull your own switch off the tree and bring it in so that you can be spanked with it. Like that was part of the lesson, you know? And so like 100% and realizing that not only was it a part of the parenting process, but parents were shamed if they didn't do that. Mm, that's okay? true. Like you're not keeping your child in line. You are being a pushover. You're being, you know, so like the good parent was the parent, you know, they would take that phrase out of the Bible, um, spare the rod, spoil the child, which mm-hmm. by the way, doesn't mean that. <laughs> what does what it mean? What does it mean? I... So it's, yeah. So it's that idea of the rod was considered like the tongue, like speaking, right? So if you don't, if you don't use your voice, if you don't use your words, if you don't speak to a child, right, in like a teaching way, then your child can get to a point where they just don't, they just kind of go the wrong way or the wrong course. It was not um, a, a call to beat your child into submission. That was not what that was meant. It's am- amazing how many things are taken from that piece of text yeah. that are used to justify so many different things in the world. So and um, it's, it's, it's sad. Um, wow. Okay. So you had a, mm-hmm. a lot of trauma from that from, and, yeah. and, and, at yeah. the time, and it was totally normal. <laughs> yeah. You don't, that's the thing. And that's why I talk about dramas versus traumas because mm. you don't realize that it's a trauma because it's normal having wealth. It wasn't a real beating or a spanking if there weren't welts. Wow. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you mm-hmm. complaining about, you know? Mm-hmm. But, like, if your skin wasn't raised where that whatever you got hit with hit you, that wasn't even a thing. What was that? That was nothing, you know? So it was this idea that that is what you have to do. You have to inflict that pain. Now we know from a neuroscientific perspective that children don't learn that way. Like when when a child, when any human being is in pain, the part of their brain that actually learns is shut down. It's not mm-hmm. active. It's not able to take in information. Mm-hmm. So I still remember when I would get um, hit, it, there was like a story that went along with it. Oh yeah, so, you were getting this you because never of do this oh. again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so like with each whack, there was a different word. Oh, I can't tell you one of those stories. <laughs> None of them, because I was trying to get away. I was trying to cover myself. Yeah. I was trying to make it stop. I wasn't learning. No. Yeah, and then what you were about to say, like I, this hurts me more than it hurts yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. I'm doing this for your own good. I'm like, are you though? <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure. This hurts me way more. I mean, you're not the one <laughs> screaming and trying to escape. So, <laughs> yeah, just, just wondering. It's pretty amazing. And I bring it and I wanted to ask specifically about that because it's interesting because as I learn about, it, you know, I kind of get sometimes I got to roll in these circles of these parenting people and everybody's very enlightened and into mindfulness and all these things. And it's yeah, like, yeah. I think the world is great. And then I read some statistics that like 69% of American parents are still use corporal punishment. Yeah. And that was kind of probably the latest statistics which may have been 2015 or something like that. Yeah. Don't quote me on this exactly, but it's, um, but it, it's shocking to me. Like it's shocking to me, but 
it's not questioned like that that ideology of like this is this is the way we have to do it or we're going to have spoiled children is still not questioned it's still really very strong in the culture yeah and and actually america i don't remember which i was reading an article that like we're actually one of the few countries that doesn't outlaw spanking children like there's like there's only a few of them a lot of countries you can't spank children yeah yeah. America it's like oh no 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 it's fine you know and so and it 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 really baffles me because I realize that okay so if you hit a child when they're you know five or eight let's say it's discipline but if you hit them at 18 it's a felony (laughs) you can go to jail right and it's like that doesn't make sense to yeah. me. I don't understand why when the when a human has the least amount of their the least ability to protect themselves, to get away, to defend themselves, that's when they're protected the least by the law. But mm-hmm. when they actually have the ability, you know, they're mm-hmm. 18, they can get away, they can hop in a car, mm-hmm. they can, you know, they can do all these different things. Oh, that's when the law kicks in. And now they now it's no longer discipline. Now you are creating a crime. You're committing a crime when you do that. And it's it's such a weird way. But I also want to say, I'm not saying this to shame parents mm-hmm. who still do this, mm-hmm. um, because a lot, I don't, I have yet to meet a parent who has said, I was not spanked as a child, but I just thought with my kids, it would be a good thing to try. I have never met that parent. They might, I'm sure they're out there, mm-hmm. but I have never met that parent. And, you know, it goes back to that sense of when all you have is a hammer, everything is a nail. And when all you've been taught is this is the way to do it. This is how you protect your children. This is how you keep your children safe. This is how you make sure that your children grow up to adults and don't die or do something stupid or, right? Like I can understand why a parent who loves their child very much would resort to that. Yeah. And- you know, like the old folks used to say, when you know better, you do better, right? And now we know that there's mountains of research that supports the idea that spanking is not the way to raise a child that, or the only way to raise a child, not even only, the way to raise a child that's happy and healthy and connected. And, you know, like that's that's not the way. And there are other ways to do it that are, more helpful, more productive. Um, But then what parents will say is, well, if I talk to them or I connect with them, then they don't do what I say. And my thing is, yeah, it might not happen immediately. Like if you spank a child and you tell them to do something or you threaten to spank them, they'll probably do the thing, (laughs) you know? But if you threaten to beat me, I will do the thing. (laughs) Like, I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm like, okay, I'll go get whatever, I'll clean my room, whatever you want me to do. But will I be connected to you? Mm-hmm. Will I trust you more? Will I sit down in my room and say, man, I am so glad they beat me just now. Whew, that probably just saved me from years of heartache. No, no, I won't. That is the last thing I'm going to do. If anything, what I'm going to probably do is what I did as a child, which was sit down and figure out how can I avoid getting caught next time? Yeah, you learn. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. You learn lying. You learn sneaking. You don't trust your parents. It destroys the relationship. It's fascinating. It's interesting because I look back like, you know, and and they have all, like you said, those mountains of research 
and I look back at my own life and I'm like, oh yeah, I fit into those patterns. Like, like when I was in high school, I was like doing drugs. I was hanging out with like dangerous people <laughs> doing dangerous mm-hmm. things. I jumped off a bridge when I was 14 because oh, <laughs> <laughs> I was like very in a very rebellious, you know, place. And a lot of that, when I look back later and say, oh, look at that research. Like in a lot of ways, I was very, you know, I got good grades, all this stuff, but like there, there was, there were those patterns. Like thankfully I didn't have too many of childhood, you know, aces like kind of stacked against me, but, um, but still I could see those patterns like played out in the research. Oh, isn't that interesting, you know? 100%. And I always said, you know, there were so many times growing up where I was in trouble and looking back, I absolutely needed an adult to help me, Mm -hmm. but I was terrified. So what my th- mm-hmm. my first thought yes. was always, how can I keep this hidden yes. from my family? Yes. And I said, when my kids get into those moments, mm-hmm. God forbid, but they probably will, where they're like, uh-oh, I don't want their first thought to be, how can I hide this from my mother? Yes. I want their first thought to be, I got to call my mom. Yeah. Or I got to call my dad. Yeah. Right. And I want them to know that this isn't about getting in trouble. This isn't about me hurting you. It's not about me shaming you. It's not about me blaming you. It's not about any of that. It's about us coming together so that you can feel supported and loved and held and get through this. And whatever you did, there might be consequences for sure. And I will love you through those. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like we will, we will get through it together. Yeah. And, the only, and I don't know how to do that when I'm inflicting pain. I, I don't know how to create that type of connection with my child. No, no, it's definitely the antithesis of that. And that's the thing. It's like when kids are adolescents, like, like my whole goal of everything was like, I want my kids when they're in adolescence to be able to talk to me, come to me to have a stronger relationship then because that's protective of kids when they're in adolescence because you have an adolescent kid there are bigger problems like there are more important more lasting intense problems that arise than when they're two and three and six right like it's just and so if i you know if i could not kill the relationship with the four horsemen the pain and the blame and all that when they're that little then then i have a chance of keeping that relationship and and happily is borne out to be true so far strong when they're in their in their teen years so it's you know for me i was like oh it's like a clear connection between this relationship you build when they're little to the relationship you're going to have with that person their that child through adolescence when they really need your influence and then that person throughout the rest of your life yes 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 all the parents i work with i have a program called trigger to transform and all of them will say like I want to create the type of relationship with my kids where when they go off to college, they actually want to come home for the holidays. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. or when I call and they look at their phone, they don't ignore it and send yeah. me to voicemail. Like they're like, Oh, it's my mom. Or, oh, it's my dad. Right. Like, yeah. and that's how you form that. You don't form that through the four horsemen. You form that by creating connection and openness and granted I, I guarantee you there are things now that sometimes my kids say where I'm just like, oh, it'd been great if I didn't have to hear that. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> not the favorite. And, I'm, and, and they're not huge things, but just little things, you know, like thoughts or a question. I'm like, are we really there? You know, and I'm sure as they get older, they're going to be things they are going to come to me and be like, so I did a thing and I'm going to be like, 
all right, tell me. (laughs) But I would much rather know. I would much rather know, even if it like, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like you did what? Certainly much safer to know. Okay. So let's then circle back to this idea of the the triggers and the drama, because this is, this is how it happens, right? Like, you know, you were there with your sister, but this is how it happens with your own child. Your own child's two years old. They're, they're annoying, you know, kids, and and I think this is a part of the problem too, is like our expectation somehow that like kids won't be annoying, messy, frustrating, aggressive, like irritating, like, yes, like kids are going to be all that stuff for years and years and years, right? Like we need to like, they're going to mess up a lot. Like we just need to expect that they're going to be really frustrating a lot of the time, like as they're really immature, undeveloped human beings. So our kids annoy us. They frustrate us. We have an expectation sometimes of like, it's weird. Like our expectation for little babies are so minor. And then as soon as they can walk, we're like, oh, you can do everything on your own and you should do it exactly when I say so. Right. And, and so our expectations jump up and then we're so frustrated and something comes out of our mouth. Right. Just like that did for you. And for me, you know, like that's still like, it's so interesting because I can still, my still my go-to when I'm frustrated, when my full brain is not online, my, my still, the thought that comes to mind is a threat. And sometimes I say the threat, sometimes I say, oh my God, I want to threaten you right now. And I just name that I, that's what I want to do. Sometimes I walk away, you know, there are uh, different things that happen for me now, but when in the beginning it came out, as whatever it was, it was yelling or was threatening. And these are reactions, right? These are nervous system reactions. These are triggered reactions. So can you talk to us about kind of what that is and what's happening in the body for parents in this moment? Yeah, absolutely. So in Triggered to Transformed, I I use a lot of metaphors and visuals because I'm a very visual person. So I talk about how we have an empowered guide and we have triggered travelers. And if you think about it in terms of like a caravan in the desert, ideally the empowered guide leads our caravan through the desert, you know, but usually what happens is we have these triggered travelers within us that will see something or hear something or think something that reminds them of something from our past. So they might see a shadow on a wall and then they freak out and they scream and say, oh my God, we're unsafe. We're going to be trampled or killed or eaten or destroyed or whatever run and then the rest of the caravan turns (laughs) and follows the trigger traveler off the hill now what that looks like as a parent is our child says or does something that reminds us of something from the past so maybe on an example um that happened recently i had a father that i was working with and growing up he was very neglected you know and um so as a parent when his child would want mama, like, I want mama, I don't want you. Mm. This would, like his trigger traveler would say, oh no, that thing is happening again, where we're being rejected and we're being, you know, turned away from and we're going to be left in the house alone and nobody loves us and we got to destroy the thing that is hurting us right now so it doesn't happen again. And so what that looked like is he would get really snarky and really mean. His kid's like three, you know, he didn't get it. But in dad's mind, he was triggered. He mm-hmm. was triggered that when you when we become triggered, our kids aren't our kids. Our kids become 
the other. They become the thing that is threatening us, causing us pain, scaring us, leading us to feel unsafe, all the things. And from a nervous system perspective, it puts us either in the fight flight mode or in the freeze mode. And when we get into those modes, you don't connect. Those parts of our brain didn't form for connection, right? Mm -hmm. Like millions of years ago, we weren't trying to cuddle with the lion that was trying to eat us. There was no reason for that. So when you're in that fight, flight, freeze space, what you're trying to do is protect yourself. The triggered traveler is trying to protect the caravan. Mm -hmm. And so what ends up happening is you go into protection mode and it's like your kid becomes the lion. You know, and then once that frontal lobe comes back on or the empowered guide gets control of the caravan again, you look back and you're like, what did I just do? Yeah, yeah. It's all happening in microseconds. Like this whole process that you're describing is like faster than you can even have a conscious thought. It is. And it's because our brain is so amazing. Like I'm a bit of a neuro nerd. I love the brain, love everything about the brain. And I'm just like, this is such a fascinating creation, how our brain works, because it realizes like that lion... (laughs) like maybe we have milliseconds to get up that tree before the lion eats us and devours us so you don't have time to sit and think okay so I can choose to yell or I can choose to be calm and say that really cool thing that I have exactly every day exactly like you don't have time to think that that is like when you know parents don't understand right that like it's not a choice you're making you know you're not like I would like to freak out at my kid. Like no one chooses that. (laughs) It's not a choice. So we are so hard and blameful of ourselves, but it's not a conscious choice. No one is consciously choosing that. And if someone's telling you that, dear listener, that's they're wrong. You're not. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's the thing too. Our trigger trap, they don't know the difference between the past and the the present. Mm. So if something happens that creates body sensations, thoughts, and feelings that were triggered in the past. So if you had a horrible childhood experience and then you have it in the present moment, your brain is saying that thing is happening again. It doesn't say that happened when I was eight. Now I'm 38 and now I'm much older and I have way more resources so I can protect. That doesn't, that's not a thing. (laughs) It's not how it works. So that's why I say like the best thing that we can do for ourselves I'm all for the sticky notes. Oh, my child's not having a, my child's not giving me a hard time. My child's having our, that's all great. Mm -hmm. If you can access that in the moment, which Mm -hmm. eventually we can, but the first thing we have to do, and this is what happens in Triggered to Transformed is we have to get, we have to retrain our brain, retrain our nervous system, create new habits, figure out what it is that's, that's being brought up in us in those moments right? Once you start to excavate what's in the backpack, that's when you can start taking off the backpack. That's when you can start pulling things out of the backpack and leaving them on the side of the road. But until then, it's going to be really hard to Mm -hmm. get those triggered travelers to stop overreacting because in their mind, they're, they're protecting us. That's what our brain is designed to do, protect or connect. And when you're fight, flight, freeze is on, that's when you go into protect mode. When it's off, that's when you can connect. But it is really hard to connect from that protective place. Amen to everything you said. I mean, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Yes, yes. We have to retrain the brain. And so, you know, and that's the way I work with this are the tools of mindfulness, right? The tools of practicing calming the nervous system, 
practicing to also to kind of like dig in and understand what those triggers are. What, how, what, how do you get parents started on this process of retraining the brain? Yeah. So I have a uh, process that I created called the PAVS um, framework, and it contains, it's P-A-T-H-S, it's an acronym, and it basically stands for the five areas that I think we really have to address in order to truly start to transform and retrain how we show up in our children's lives, how we show up in our own lives, um, so that we can be, we can show up as the parent we truly want to be. And P stands for perspective. And what that relates to is the stories in our head. Those stories, oh my gosh, will get us in trouble every single time. Because I mm -hmm. guarantee you, when that brain is triggered, you're going to tell yourself stories that protect you, not stories that lead to connection. So the whole, my child's not giving me a hard time, my child's having a hard time, that is great in connection mode. Protection mode, my child's manipulative, my child's being a brat, my child's being, right? It's, it's to separate you. Again, you don't want to hug the lion. So when you're in that moment, realizing in beforehand, like, what are the stories that you're telling yourself when your child does those things? Get really clear on those for yourself early. That way, when they pop up, you can recognize them and you can catch them faster. Yeah. Um, yeah. A stands. Oh, go ahead. No, no. I was just gonna say, like, the yeah. I mean, the, the, those stories are, and and it is something. It's something we have to address after the fact or outside of the fact. Like it is like not, you know. And and so what Lynette is talking about is not super comfortable, right? We have to kind of revisit that moment and say, what was I thinking? We have to look at this like moment in ourselves that we may have felt we later may feel ashamed of. We may feel it was like an ugly moment, right? Where we may have had anger and aggression, all of these feelings, which are, I mean, especially anger and aggression, totally verboten for women to have moms. Gosh, forbid, like that mom should be angry and aggressive. So it, the whole process of even like, dear listener, you listening to this right now, and even, at, you know, as we talk about this, considering the idea that you would, look back on these parts of yourself that aren't so pretty is positive step towards accepting that this is part of being a human. And this is part of, you know, what, you know, just accepting these parts of ourselves are, are part of what we have to do in order to get some perspective in order to then be able to be that parent we want to be for our kid. Mm -hmm. 100%. And I, and, and, you know, in the A, that stands for awareness. And it kind of goes back mm -hmm. to something you said earlier, which I loved when you said, you know, sometimes I tell my kids, I really want to threaten you right now, <laughs> right? Like being aware and being authentic. I am so, oh my gosh, if I could just get on a soapbox for one second. Oh, this idea, say it. <laughs> <laughs> this idea that infuses the parenting world right now that we have to be all kind and pretty and nice with our kids all the time. It's like, it's not possible. I'm not saying go out and call your your kid names, you know, not that, but owning what you're feeling. I am really angry right now. I am really frustrated right now. I need to take a break right now, you know, but when we try to pretend like we're like, oh, everything's fine. And rep number one, our kids know we're lying because <laughs> our kids have also developed this beautiful ability called neuroception where it's our ability to tell 
like be able to really read someone's facial expressions, read their body language. They know when you're not fine. And what that does is it confuses them because you're saying everything's fine. It's fine. But they're looking at you and they're like, but you don't look fine. So now they're like, I don't know what fine versus not fine is, right? So being authentic, it teaches them to be authentic too. And to be able to trust you. Like they can't trust you if you say, I'm calm, I'm fine. And you're not, (laughs) they they learn to not trust you or believe you because you're lying. Yes, exactly. And then you learn not to trust you and believe you because Mm -hmm. you're lying. So it's like, I can't do this. I'm just going to screw up my kid. No. So Mm. be authentic. And one of the ways that we can do this is through self-awareness. And this is a really, really big piece of of the puzzle. Being able to be aware of not just your thoughts, but your body sensations and your feelings. And if you grew up like I did, I've had a love-hate relationship with my body sensations and my feelings because feelings were, it was always like, stop crying before I give you something to cry about. So I always felt like, oh, I guess I must not, this must not be cry-worthy. Like, you know, the Mm -hmm. fact that that thing happened, I must not. So I got to a point where I didn't trust my feelings. I didn't trust my body sensations. I didn't understand what they were for. And when I did feel sad or mad or any, well, mad was okay. But if I felt sad or wounded in some way, um, in my mind, these are liabilities. I need Mm -hmm. to get rid of these horrible feelings because they're just going to send me, these aren't helpful, you know? So being you had to defend to yourself. Yes. Yeah, you had to be yes. defensive. You they you had to have some armor around you to protect yourself in that environment. That's exactly what I saw see in my dad still, actually. This he has all this armor, right? From when he was a kid to, to yeah. defend himself. It's interesting. Yes. Yeah. And so being able to to one of the biggest things I had to do was become aware of where what are my body sensations, you know, stop living from the neck up, and then being able to connect with them in a way that felt safe. Right. Because mm-hmm. it's really easy to be like, sit down and do a body scan. Well, not everybody feels safe in their body. Mm-hmm. Right. So figuring out ways to do that in a way that feels safe to you. Maybe it's mm-hmm. not sitting down and doing a body scan. Maybe it's dancing or going for a quick jog and just noticing what that feels like in your body, doing things that feel good to you. Mm-hmm. And then just noticing how that feels in that space. Right. It Mm -hmm. could be something that's helpful. So being aware of what are the, what are my body sensations, realizing that emotions are your friends. They actually, they're just signposts. That's all they are. They're just signposts that give you insight into what you need, where you are and where you prefer to be. Right. So if you think about standing on a corner with your little backpack, looking up at a, at a signpost, right? Like that's what the emotion is. It's just a signpost, right? And it's like, if it's like anger that way, okay, so what's that way? Oh, the whole nighttime battle thing. Okay, that makes me angry. And then you can get some insight into when do I start to feel that in my body? Mm-hmm. When do I start to notice that emotion? And that's where you can start moving into T, which are the tools. And I always say we're always using tools. It's never a question of not using a tool. The question is, is the tool I'm using helpful or unhelpful? (laughs) So taking five deep breaths is a tool. Yelling is a tool. They're both tools. 
like that. <laughs> one will just probably lead you in a direction that will probably make you more angry. And the other will probably lead you in the direction that at the very least won't move the needle at all. Like you won't get more angry. You might not get less, but you won't get more, right? So once you become aware and you start to read the signposts, read your body sensations, read your, um, your uh, emotions, Mm -hmm. Then you can start using them to discern like, oh, when am I, what leads me to move toward in the direction that I want to go in the more helpful direction and what leads me in the least helpful direction. And in Trigger to Transform, there's a whole module that we do where you literally create your own stress management system. I mean, I worked for years by teaching people stress management techniques and then I realized wait a minute you know your nervous system better than me why don't we just create one for you even better right like it's gonna work for you because this is so important it's Mm -hmm. so key I can sit up here and I can tell you all the things to do but it's your nervous system and what it's really about is getting in touch with your nervous system and learning how your nervous system operates and what your nervous system needs Mm -hmm. so once you get that then you can start to choose what are tools that I can access before that moment happens? Because now I know what it feels like in my body and what I'm noticing mm-hmm. what, before it happens. And even during, mm-hmm. what, like when I'm in that moment and I start to recognize, oh, wait, oh, crap, I'm doing that thing again. What do I need in that moment? What's one thing I can do or say or whatever to help pull me out? Like one of my um, clients, she'll start, she'll start singing Disney movie songs. It's awesome. Let it go. Let it go. We don't talk about Bruno. No, no, no. (laughs) Start singing a song. And it's actually uplifting because then everybody's, she said when she first did it, her kids were like, what? Yeah. (laughs) What is happening? Complete confusion. Right. But now when she sings the Bruno song, her kids realize like, oh, mom's, Mom's flying off the cliff again, you know, and she'll just belt it out. She also, I think, happens to be a great singer. So for me, my kids would probably run, but her kids might even join in. That's hilarious. I think it'd be amazing just like her kids take on this tradition and like start like a new habit in their family and they like start singing the songs and like, yeah, anyway. I know. I like that vision. Musical. Yeah. It's like a Mary Poppins movie. Everybody just starts singing randomly, <laughs> you know? So like, what's something that you can do in the moment that'll create that pattern interrupt, mm-hmm. right? Just one thing. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. 
Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts. Um, so getting clear on your stories, befriending your emotions and your body sensations, choosing like tiny tools that you can access before and during those triggering moments. And then H stands for healing. And this is where, you know, we start to really excavate what's in the backpack. And, and I always say like, when you're in those moments, asking yourself what needs to be healed or what needs to be honored. Mm. Right. So in that moment with my sister, I might have needed to heal some past stuff, you know, that I grew up with. I might need to honor the fact that I was hungry or that I was mm-hmm. tired, right? Like one of the biggest mantras in Trigger to Transformed is my needs matter. Yeah. Because as I remember when I said that to a, a, a C2T member, I said, what does that bring up in you when I say that my needs matter? She was like, I'm pretty sure I had to leave those in the hospital before they let me leave with the baby. Like, <laughs> like I'm pretty sure I signed those away. I think I remember a piece of paper where I signed away my needs. <laughs> and that's how a lot of us live, right? Like mm-hmm. my needs don't matter, which also contributes to this sense of like, I'm okay, really, I'm fine. You know, I'm not allowed to be angry or you know, anger is bad. You know, it's like, it's just a signpost, right? So realizing what within me, I always say triggers need to be healed. Stressors need to be honored, mm-hmm. right? So those triggers, those things that are coming up from your past, like when you're present, when your past impacts your parenting, that's a trigger. That's something that's coming up that is something's happening that's reminding you of something from the past. When your present impacts your parenting, that's a stressor, right? Mm-hmm. Like maybe you need to eat more, maybe you need to sleep longer, maybe and like and more than likely they're all intertwined with each other. Mm-hmm. But the clearer that you can get, like I know for me, after like six, seven PM, I'm no good as a mom. I'm done. Oh, me like, too. That's when my like I'm just <laughs> drowning at that point. Please don't say or do anything that's gonna like that. Oh my <laughs> god. Stress. My teenager, she comes in, we go, you know, we're like Bill and I would go to bed. Like sometimes we're like in bed at like 9.15. We're just reading, chilling. She comes in at 9.15, like fairly often and starts to talk to us about like somehow she's, this is the time of day she has realized I have unanswered questions. There are logistical things, all this stuff. She comes into the bedroom. She wants to talk logistics with us at 9.15 and we're just like, oh child like no 
No, we cannot do what are this. You doing to me? Not at this. <laughs> Sorry, no. And she gets so frustrated with us sometimes, but we just had to hold that boundary again and again. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, we cannot do this at this time of night. No. All right, I'm gonna need you to write that down. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> like, I know. Oh, I forgot. You got to take me to Target right now because I have this project, <laughs> and you're just gonna have to live with that consequence because it ain't happening. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, yeah. Like, what? Ah. I love that, though. What you said, triggers need to be healed. Stressors need to be honored. And under in that whole, it's like about your, you know, the your needs matter. I mean, this is where Mm -hmm. this all comes through. And then we're modeling. We're teaching our kids that when they're parents, their needs will matter, too. They won't feel the need to to um, unhealthily self-sacrifice themselves. Oh, you're not helping. Self-care is family care. You're not helping. You're not caring. You're not. We think I've thought this like I you know, if I give this up and I stay up late and I get up early and do, then I'm helping my family. No, I'm not because then I'm a brat. Yeah. Like we talk about our kids being annoying. Mm-hmm. I'm super annoying when I don't get sleep. Are you kidding me? You want to talk about stressing out my kids and triggering them? Like they're like, oh, it's her again. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Right? So yeah. realizing like that's not helpful. It's not um and then the s stands for self-empowerment and this is where it all comes together when we're able to truly walk the other paths really get clear on our stories start befriending our our bodies and our feelings um start to choose and implement tools that feel good to us and start healing and honoring what's going on in our lives that's when we can start to truly feel empowered that's when all of the habit shifts and the rewiring can, we can bring those together in a helpful way and start to feel empowered in our relationship with our kids. Because we can say, I always say, you always have power in a situation. Even if you're like stuck in the middle of the forest in a sleeping bag with a broken zipper and there are ants crawling in your sleeping bag and you can't get out. What if you still have power? It sounds horrible, but you can like hop to the ranger station or something, right? So, <laughs> realizing you have power there is power you have power within yourself you have power to set boundaries you have power to do all of these things but it's hard to access that power when our nervous system is hijacked when our trigger travelers are leading us off the cliff when you know when we can't get clear on where we are in the moment and what we need Mm -hmm. to move forward Mm -hmm. Well, this is beautiful. I love the way you've laid out your system and the whole thing. And, and it completely coincides with what I teach in mindful parenting, the, the awareness, the tools, the healing, the empowerment. This is, this is what we need. You know, what needs to be healed? What needs to be honored? And then we can start to show up skillfully <laughs> rather than unskillfully, right? Then we can, mm-hmm. then we can put aside those four horsemen and make it a relationship rather than a, you know, a power struggle, which is like amazing. Yeah. I could, I have the feeling that I could like geek out with you with this on a long, for a long time, but uh, <laughs> we're going to honor your time. Um, really good. Um, this is be- so beautiful. So just thinking about, you know, for, for those of us who, you know, those listeners who are, are struggling with feeling triggered, they're struggling with those things. Any final last words for that, that listener? Yeah, you know, I would just say one of the things I love to say to people is there are going to be times where you're going to start to wonder 
and you probably already do if, if you know this conversation has resonated with you where you start to think okay either i'm broken or my kid's broken or our relationship's broken <laughs> one of something's broken not sure which maybe all three you know and what i want to say is you're not broken your kid's not broken your relationship isn't even broken but you likely have habits that need to be hmm. Yes. You know, and that's what we're talking about here, shifting those habits. And when I, I find when we think about these as unhelpful habits, it becomes more digestible, right? As opposed to, yeah. I have to fix and heal everything that everybody ever did all the way back to the caveman days in my lineage. Like, good luck with that. Let me know <laughs> how you figure that out. Um, <laughs> Um, but you know, it's like, it's really, you're talking about shifting habits. Mm -hmm. And like I said earlier, I use the word dramas very intentionally because things that were passed down from generation to generation, they're not technically our traumas all the time. They're not always things we experienced, but they're still things that were passed down and played out in generation. Like if you think about slavery or the Holocaust, things like that, research is clear that those things still impact the descendants to this day, even yeah. though like I'm a black woman, I wasn't mm -hmm. enslaved, you know? Um, and so, but there are things that are passed down from generation to generations that play out. So when I say dramas, I mean that literally like a drama on the stage, these dramas mm -hmm. play out and those dramas lead to habits, but habits can be changed. Habits can be broken mm -hmm. and you absolutely can do it. If you're willing to put in the time and the energy and the effort, to get the work done, find accountability, find community, come over to Trigger to Transform. I'll be, I'm there for you. You know, whatever you need to do to find that accountability in that community, you can absolutely shift this so that you're not passing down. You're saying, this stops with me. This mm -hmm. stops with my generation. It will not continue. And that's what I did with my sister in the kitchen that day. And you can absolutely do that for yourself and your kids as well. Yes, definitely. I couldn't agree more. Yes, we can be that change that we want to see. I love that so much. Awesome. So, uh, Lynetta has, Lynetta has a children's book, some other things. Where can people find you? If they want to reach out. Yes. Yes. So if you want to find out more about me, I invite you to go to parentingtriggerscore.com parentingtriggerscore.com. There is a quiz that I created there that you can create, that you can take, and it will reveal to you what your parenting trigger score is. So how you tend to show up when you're in those triggered moments, and it will help you to begin your path's journey. And the other thing, once you sign up for that, you'll also get a series of emails that will actually help you to walk the paths that I described here today. Um, so please go to parenting trigger score, take that quiz, and get started. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I so enjoyed talking to you. I've, 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 everything you said, yes, 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 yes. And I love it. Um, so I really appreciate you, you know, doing this work in your own life and then being able to, you know, taking this and sharing it with the world in, in your unique voice and your perspective. It's, it has incredible, um, effects and ripple effects. So thank you so much for doing that and for coming on the Mindful Mama podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me and ditto to all the things. Thank you for doing this work too and for allowing us to share our voices and for sharing your voice with the world as well. 
loved talking to Dr. Lynetta, and I feel like this is such such an important, valuable conversation. If you got some value out of it, do share it with a friend, you know, send them a screenshot, you know, share it on your Instagram stories, tag me at mindful mama mentor. And I hope it has been helpful to, you know, water those good seeds in you, stir up some good learning and positive change. And I'm wishing you a beautiful week and wishing you peace and ease and joy and growth and change and love and sunshine and all the good things in life. Thank you so much for listening, my friend. Namaste. Hey, it's Ed. Um, just in the car, driving back up to Vermont from Rhode Island. And I just wanted to let you know how much I enjoyed the, the podcast with Soleil Moonfry. It was so good. It was such a great, like, fluid conversation and, like, such a joy listen to both of your perspectives on all that. I just really, really loved it. And I wanted to let you know that, like, you know, brought up so many things, obviously, you know, you know, similar experiences, just the same way you were describing, and also just, like, the communication with the teenagers and how much we share with them about, like, what our teenagers were like, and, oh, yeah, a lot of stuff that I've been thinking about, and it was just a really refreshing conversation to hear you guys speaking to that, too, so I just wanted to let you know, and I love you, and I hope everything's great, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay, bye. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.